UCB Life Issues with Paul Hammond. And a very warm welcome to this week's Life Issues. It was 1979. The task was to write an essay based on Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And you know how sometimes there are seminal moments in your life that will echo through your days? Well, I had never read it before, but I feel as though I haven't stopped quoting it since. What does the Lord require of you, O man, but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? It was like it formed me. It shaped my view of the world, the passions that have driven my speech and hopefully structured my behaviour since, although I have to confess I've not always been successful in the latter. It's a call to stand for justice, to see our place in the world under God's rule, to surrender to that rule and the sovereignty of God, to give ourselves to obedience, to service, to being a conduit through which his strength and authority and power can flow into a needy world. And smack bang in the middle of it, you have this moment where kindness is elevated from its usual soft, fluffy box of puppies ornus to a place of impact, dynamism. If you like, a two-edged sword that will cleave through the injustice and the wickedness and the ambivalence to God of this world in which we live and reveal his light. And it's the idea of that if you like, weaponized kindness that we're going to talk about today. Because what does it mean to love kindness? What is the power of kindness? What is kindness? And when we give the gift of kindness, what is the legacy we leave when we move on? Especially in a world where the first commandment often seems to be, be kind to yourself. My guests today are Debbie Duncan, writer, lecturer in nursing and church leader, and Kathy Leferva, who is also a writer, a broadcaster, and a media consultant. Together they have written, and it's published by our friends at Authentic Media, The Gift of Kindness. So let me start with you, Debbie. Are we so consumed now with the need to be kind to ourselves? that we're in danger of forgetting being kind to others? That's a really good question. And I think it's something that's in the press so much at the moment. I think having come through a pandemic, we're very conscious of how we are, how we respond to everyday things and what our mental health and well-being is like. So our focus has become on how we've coped with it. But I do think that once you start thinking about being kind to yourself, it takes you along a natural path to actually think about other people and how you can be kind to them. And certainly when we think about um, our lives and we think about the things that we do to maintain our well-being and looking after ourselves, um, it, we always reflect, or certainly I always reflect on how people have helped me. Mm. And I think so that kindness then um, is easily spread and not just maintained within oneself. Although it is perhaps something we have to make a choice about now, Cathy, because we have been, and, and even before pandemic, we were being bombarded with messages about, you know, 
It's about you. It's about your worth because you're worth it. Be kind to yourself. You deserve that treat. I mean, over and over again, we were given that the preeminence of self that perhaps internalized the way that we looked at life. So choosing to look outward to love our neighbor, to be kind to one another, um, perhaps not at the front of people's minds in the same way. It's not. And I think actually it's countercultural uh, right now to think outside that box. I think it's to do with the sort of economic uh, worldview that we've grown up with, uh, many of us, the sort of capitalist system, which is all about success and, you know, um, moving forward and putting yourself first. So to then suddenly um, be faced with, if you like, uh, a more Christian way, if, if you want, of thinking of others, it's actually countercultural. So to be that intentional about kindness means that we are... Um, you know, we're going against the general trend. Having said that, I think that in some of our thinking, certainly within uh, the Christian and church culture, sometimes the emphasis on doing to others before you do for yourselves, it can be unhelpful as well. Mm. Um, I think we have to look, at, as Debbie said, we have to look after ourselves as well. Um, in the book, we've got the idea of the golden rule. Now, I learned something new um, while doing this book. I learned that it, this is not a Christian thing. Do unto others as you would have uh, done to yourself, as it were. It's across all the uh, different faiths of the world. And it's even in humanism. Uh, it seems to be a natural human instinct to want to do good stuff for others. Um, mm. And sometimes I think that gets lost a little bit in our service and duty. So there's a balance. Um, and by balancing off, as I said, we are in a sense being countercultural yeah. because we're going against that success driven, you know, that it's all about you. You've got to do yeah. as much as you can do to make yourself successful and to win above other people and to put yourself first. Number one. Uh, yeah. It's a challenge to do otherwise and of course nurses are kind debbie so there are some roles in uh, you're a lecturer in nursing we we've talked before about the the mindset and the vocation of the nursing are there some roles some professions that actually carry an expectation of kindness and is that sometimes an unfair burden <laughs> um i think you're, that is right um, certainly there um, are professions that we're called to where compassion and caring are things that we think about. But kindness is much more than that. You know, kindness, I think in the book I say, kindness is like a TARDIS of a word. It's an extraordinary word. There's so many aspects to it. So, yes, it's important to care and be compassionate in a lot of roles and to have some level of kindness. But I don't think it, it's necessarily um, the full definition of kindness that we, we come to sort of talk about through, through the pages of the book. 
And it is a burden because there are times when you meet people and you don't want to be kind. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we all do that, don't we? We meet people and we have um, a natural dislike to them or they say something that triggers off a memory. Um, and we think, oh, why? I know I do need to be kind towards them. But again, that's going back to the word intentional. And I would imagine that at the end of a long shift, a grumpy so-and-so in A&E may well test the kindness of the most committed member of the nursing staff. Kathy? Yeah, I mean, I've um, recently been through a situation where I've um, been in hospital with my mum and I've, I've experienced the most extraordinary kindness and compassion as we sat by my mum's bed as she passed away. I mean, it, it was extraordinary. And of course, there were those that I felt didn't have that compassion and empathy. But I think the, for me, the majority of people who I came into contact with, yeah, they did have that sort of, I would say that innate kindness, you know, that vocational kindness. Now, look, I come from a completely different angle and I'm in the media and broadcasting. Paul, you and I, you both, we both We're very know, kind you know, people, Kathy, very kind people. <laughs> you bo we both know. I mean, I've worked in the secular world for a very long time and we are not considered to be kind people because we ask all the awkward questions. But I maintain that actually we need to find a new paradigm, even in places like media. Uh, that's part of the challenge of the book, actually, that, if we are truly going to be kind, then we have to let it, if you like, seep into every aspect of our life, into business, into education, as well as the health profession. And we do need it to be more um, evident, perhaps, in media. Lots of people will say that's pie in the sky. <laughs> it can't happen because that's not the way media works. Uh, but I mean, I've proved down the years that you don't need to be a nasty person to actually get on. You, you can be a kind, compassionate person and still do your job well in the media. And if the last two years has taught us anything, it does seem as though there is a willingness and a heart to actually take the idea of acts of kindness and to work it out. It is no longer the preserve of the church to do acts of kindness, not least because there's an advert for body lotion that suggests you can do acts of kindness. I mean, who would have ever thought that would happen? But let's, let's kind of dial back to an actual definition about it, Debbie. I I mean, what is kindness? What is biblical kindness? If we were looking at what kindness is in the dictionary, then we're thinking um, around something that means, um, if we go back to perhaps even where it comes from as well, then we're thinking about sort of noble deeds, um, somebody being well-bred, um, and it's an old comes from an old English word. But then if we start thinking about some modern day concepts, then it's about um, being helpful, understanding towards someone where you're not expecting anything back. A quality of perhaps being generous, helpful, caring. Um, we use those, we've used those words already about being caring and compassionate. Um, and it's a quality, but also an act as well. Biblical kindness, I think, has to start with Jesus and what Jesus did. Um, Jesus dying on the cross for us, that extraordinary act of allowing us to have a deeper relationship with our Father 
is the true example of what kindness is. If we think about what kindness is, it's not a fluffy word. It's not a fluffy act. Um, I, I just I suggest maybe we think sometimes of it as being pink, fluffy um, thing like candy floss. And it's not that. If kindness can be a man having, you know, going through an extraordinary trial, being flogged and put to death for something he didn't deserve, then that is the biggest definition of kindness we can ever have. And we will never attain to that. But if kindness is that, and if kindness is that thing of strength, how do we how do we effectively communicate that? Because all too often, I mean, even in church, or perhaps even especially in church, kindness is equated with being nice, nice and kind. And it is that kind of wishy-washy, it's not going to challenge anything, it's going to just, hey, let's keep the calm, keep the peace, no matter what. And, you know, Debbie, we, we've knocked around church enough years to know that that doesn't work. How do we make sure that people grasp that correct understanding? Because it's not just about being nice or what idea of nice is. Kindness um, often has a cost to it. It's living as and saying things like Jesus would do. Sometimes kindness is being challenging. I have a really good example at the moment. We have seven Ukrainian refugees living with us. Now, that was an act of kindness to be able to do that, but that's costing my husband and I something. It's costing of our time. Um, sometimes I have to talk to them about their expectations and help them change their expectations slightly as well. Um, these things, you know, cost us things. If we're living the life that God wants us to and we are trying to be kind, we don't necessarily necessarily have to be seen to be nice by other people. It's about um, living a way that he would want us to live and ensuring that those words um, do help people grow, sometimes do cost us. Um, they ha are truthful and honest, and th these things can be hard. What's your take on this, Cathy? What is kindness? I mean, is it simply, I think you write in the book about acts of altruism and so on. Is that simply where kindness sits? It's, it is that, but it isn't only that. Um, but if we come back to what Debbie was talking about, the niceness, you know, that word nice, maybe there's a whole book there as well. I don't know. Um, the word nice has in our modern language become very beige and very bland. It, it doesn't ha it doesn't have any power attached to it. So when people say, oh, that's nice and kind, it almost devalues the kindness. But if we go, if we think about what Jesus did and we think about what Debbie and Malcolm are doing right now, actually, it's, it's very similar because Jesus's acts of kindness were involving not just engaging with people, but actually touching people's lives. I said earlier, it's about being countercultural. He was completely countercultural. He literally touched leprosy people, patients, people who had this horrible disease. He, he, he didn't just go about saying, may the Lord be with you, you know, and, and 
you know, lovely with a sort of on a, on a, on a fluffy cloud, as Debbie said. What he, what he did was he challenged people. He challenged people's perception of God. He challenged people's perception of the way that we should be living. Um, and I think if we are truly to be kind, I, you know, we say many times in the book, we know kindness is not a, something that's only what Christians do. The whole world is apt to be kind. But if we as Christians are truly going to be kind, then we have no better example than the life of Jesus and that sacrifice that Debbie talked about. But for me, being kind is um, it's, it's about giving yourself having no ulterior motive, not expecting anything in return, showing, if you like, um, self-esteem by being that kind person. So you're not apologetic about it. You talk in the book about the anonymous gifts of kindness. In fact, you, you've got a, a chapter that seems devoted to this idea that, that your friends have been the re- in the receipt of, of many gifts of kindness. Now, we won't go through all the stories now, but, but this idea that actually altruism, kindness, that is that, that actually looks for no, not only no yeah. reward, but actually not even any recognition, that there is, yeah. there's a depth to that. Yes. I mean, obviously, I came to this book as a journalist gathering stories uh, from a dear friend of mine who is a Salvation Army leader in the north of England. She told me these extraordinary stories about how she had benefited from several um, anonymous gifts of kindness. She still to this day doesn't know who showered the blessings upon her. I myself have felt that, you know, there was a time when I really struggled financially. And yeah, there were people like Debbie who came forward and offered to help me. But I even had, I had money from people. I didn't know who, who even gave it to me. I just received the money in an envelope. And that sort of that sort of kindness is a whole new level because that, again, that's taking it away from your personality, what we spoke about at the beginning, about it's the me culture, mm. and it's completely turning it on its head and saying, this is bigger than me. This is something that I don't feel I need a recognition. You have to, if you like, um, subjugate, completely get rid of our own needs and wants to be recognized that is really hard to do and is that the sort of depth debbie that actually does emulate jesus kindness that is the the kindness of a man surrendering self to the cross absolutely um it's that kindness where you don't know where that will lead to um you you give of yourself there is a cost other people don't have to see it um, yes, it's it's much, much deeper. There's a, a quote by Mark Twain, and he said, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Um, and there's a deep, deep, deep richness to it. And it doesn't have to benefit us necessarily, um, but it benefits the people that are around us and it benefits our society. You're listening to UCB Life Issues. I'm Paul Hammond. My guest this week, as we explore the subject of kindness, which far from being a box of poppies wrapped up in pink ribbon and are very cute and kind of fluffy, is actually something of strength that is life-transforming 
acts of kindness can turn people's understanding of life on its head. Acts of kindness can sow into people patterns of behaviour that transform society. And acts of kindness, of course, find their greatest expression in a God who is willing to die for those who have turned their back on him. My guests to discuss this are the authors of the book The Gift of Kindness, published by Authentic Media. It's Cathy Leferve and Debbie Duncan. Acts of kindness, then. We saw a lot of them during the pandemic. We saw a lot of people willing to go the extra mile. Once restrictions were lifted, it did kind of feel as though Although we were happy to bask in the nostalgic glow of that, life got back to normal very quickly. What motivates kindness and how do we maintain that? I think during the pandemic, we were so locked in. Personally, I think we had no option to but, but to look outside ourselves because otherwise we would literally have had breakdown, I'm sure. I certainly did. You know, just clapping for the carers at eight o'clock on a Thursday night helped me to express some of the thanks that I had for, for people just down the road at the hospital here where I am, am in Jersey. And I think we, in a way, it was sort of almost a natural reaction. I do, we do say in the book, though, um, that kindness should be... Um, for life not just for a pandemic <laughs> and we were writing this book really very soon after that first lockdown we started to think about it and as we were writing the book actually we were still going through periods of lockdown and all the different uh, restrictions so actually the story is only half told in a way mm -hmm. And we end the book by saying we pray that this kindness that seemed to almost be discovered by some people will seep in. But you're right, Paul. Um, it seemed like very soon um, lots of people have gone back to normal, gone back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, the me, me, me culture. Um, I still am a, I'm a, I'm a glass half full girl. And I still believe that the remnants of kind, the remnants of kindness that were sown in those days will have impacted greatly on many people. Mm. But also they will continue to live, even those, even in those people who might not necessarily even recognize what they were doing. Um, I I, I know Debbie feels very much the same, that we have this confidence that none of that kindness will have gone to waste. Mm. But what motivates it, Debbie? What actually prompts a person to start to show kindness and maybe even to continue showing kindness? I think um, there are several things to think about if we're thinking about this question. Um, certainly, I think we have echoes um, of a loving God who made us and the quality and gifts of kindness are within us. You know, often we think within church settings that the church is the kindness place. Actually, that's not always the truth. 
you know, if we look at the society around us, we can see people who say that they have no faith actually demonstrate an extraordinary acts of kindness to where it really costs them. And so I do think, you know, we were made and created in God's image. And although we walked away from him, the echoes of his character is within us and that ability to be kind. Although some people may say that is not the case. I do, I do feel that is the case. If we look at kindness as a whole, we know that, you know, we've been talking about acts of kindness actually for an extraordinarily long time. You know, Aristotle wrote about kindness. Kindness in society was something that was recognized. And, you know, anthropologists say that without kindness, human society will fall apart. So it's something that's bound us together for a long, long time without us realizing. So I think, you know, um, it's a thread that has been through our lives for and through society for a long time. It's something that is an echo um, of our creator that we don't necessarily realize. And it is something that we too, we have tried to um, show because we also know and the scientific community has shown that if people are kind, there are physical and mental um, benefits for them. And we can dial back to that in a moment or two, if we may. But just just uh, let's unpack that a little bit further, Cathy, then, this idea of motivation and this idea of, of perhaps enabling and giving people confidence in that motivation. Yes, I mean, in one of the chapters of the book, one of the early chapters of the book, Debbie writes about, are we as human beings actually born kind is kindness innate and there's lots of evidence to suggest that actually it is and so it comes from somewhere else that people might not recognize as Debbie said it perhaps comes from the heart of God it's what he wants for his creation for people to walk kindly be kind but I think um, when we're talking about the motivation Um, Yeah, we know there are lots and lots of opportunities for us to be motivated by kindness because we think we're going to get something in return. I mean, people listening, we've all done it, haven't we? (laughs) We'll do something kind for somebody because we might get something back in return. Um, But the motivation to be kind just because it's what we need to be. Um, I write about Jesus and how he was the supreme example of kindness. Kindness appeared to Jesus as natural as breathing and thinking. And if we can be motivated to kindness in the same way, so we don't even think about it. It's just in our nature. Um, not expecting anything return, um, it's, I think, then we're really getting to the, to the heart of what this little big word is all about. Um, it, it's, it, as Debbie said, it's an extraordinary word. It is. And so, Debbie, you wrote the chapter, Are People Innately Kind? I mean, there are many who will suggest... Look at the world around us, Debbie. That ain't the case. The idea that there is a fundamental kindness in people that we could create into a culture that would carry us forward. How can you say that people are innately kind, Debbie? I think there definitely is um, an argument to say that we are innately kind, even 
um, Nietzsche, the German philosopher, who's known for all sorts of other things, um, talked about the fact that that kindness is something that's important to us. Um, we sometimes see the darkest and the awful things in our society. We look at what's happening in Ukraine at the moment, and we label everybody. And we've, we've probably, I imagine, labelled a lot of the Russian army as unkind and that there's no level of kindness there. But when we start peeling away the layers and talking to people about their lives and hearing their stories, then we can actually see that there are some um, remnants of kindness there. I, I know that you, you did a, a thing, and I don't know if it's directly tied to the book or, or, or preparing the book or just around the book, where you actually asked people their experience of kindness on social media. Um, and that kind of informed this idea that we are born kind. Yeah, the stories that came back were extraordinary. So some people were shown um, kindness by strangers that they didn't expect. Other people um, received great kindness from people that they did know, where people knew what their needs were and they demonstrated it to them. And ultimately, the, the kind of response I got back from social media was that um, there are kind people in our society and sometimes people stand out more than others. You know, an example would be, you know, someone like Mother Teresa, who, you know, has known her life has been all about kindness and demonstrating that to other people. But there's also moments and people describe them um, when I asked them on Facebook and through social media about what their experiences were, said that there were times when people showed them great kindness and they had no idea who that person was. Mm. But do you think there is a an element of this that that almost we almost assign it to certain people? There are good people. There are kind people in the world. They're the ones that do the acts of kindness. And then there's the rest of us. And, and we don't necessarily, Kathy, envisage that this is something that could be relevant for all of us, that we could all be innately kind. Yeah, and if we're talking about creating a kindness culture... This is not something that's going to happen overnight, by the way. But one of the things that we need to think about is who we are going to be kind to as individuals. Me. Who am I going to be kind to? Am I only going to be kind to the people who look like me, who sound like me, who are me, basically a reflection of me back in society? Or am I going to step out of my comfort zone? Am I going to be countercultural and be kind to the other to people who are not like me, to people who don't have the same life experience as me, to people who I fundamentally disagree with on every level. Um, I come from a Salvation Army background. So the Salvation Army is well-renowned for working with people who live on the margins of society. So I have seen this kindness towards the other, as it were, my whole life. And I've experienced it even through my own parents' work as Christian leaders. People who, you know, are, they're chaotic, maybe. They're frightening, maybe. But if we can build a kindness culture where we're not just being kind to the people who it's easy to be kind to, but who really are very different to us. Now we're starting to talk about a kindness that, makes an impact for everyone, but also is a challenge to our own lifestyle, spiritual way of thinking. 
we're not just kind to the people in church, we're kind to the people who would hate church and who would never walk across the door of a church because they somehow have never engaged with church. And we don't do it because we, you know, we want to drag them into church. We do it first because Jesus impels us to that sort of kindness. As Debbie said, kindness is common. We just don't hear about it. I just want to respond to that um those words that Kathy said about kindness is, is common. Um, many of you may have listened to the BBC um, programmes that they had on the anatomy of kindness. And so there was a huge study done in August 2021. So obviously coming towards the end of the second surge and into um, the next part of the pandemic. And the BBC Radio 4 launched the kindness test. And it was uh, one of the largest that's been done in the world. I think they they... They had about 60,000 people participate in it. And it was um, through the BBC and the work with the University of Sussex. And the biggest conclude, what the biggest fact that came out of it was that kindness and the acts of kindness is really common. Mm. Um, when people were ac- asked about it, over three quarters of people said that they had known and received um, acts of kindness. And what difference does that make? What does that do to individuals and society if we create this kindness culture? And I say created, I mean, maybe it is already there. Maybe we just need to acknowledge it more and give permission to people to be more forthright and and, and positive about it than maybe the media and the adverts and so on allow us. But what difference does it make, Debbie, to individuals and to a society if we celebrate and liberate kindness? I think on an individual level, there are vast benefits to actually us being kind to other people. And, you know, I spent some time in the book looking at some of the scientific facts around that. And we know that there are hormones that are produced when we are actually kind that actually are beneficial to ourselves and it improves our well-being it reduces our anxiety reduces our um, depression even helps our immunity to increase which is what we need at the moment and reduces actually our risk factors of some of the diseases like cardiovascular disease and diabetes so physically the act of actually being kind has an impact on our own physicality, which is fantastic. Also on our mind and our well-being. It also increases what we call our, our self-efficacy and our uh, the knowledge of who we are as a person. If we're kind to other people and also receive some of that kindness back, then actually helps us. Um, our, our self-image is improved. You know that we all know um, people that have been helped and supported along the road and that's made a big um, impact on them as individuals and has helped support them as they've developed and they've become more aware of who they are and then as on on a societal level then that impact is huge Um, but we look at some of the, the acts of extraordinary kindness that have going on in the world just now you know, at the very start of the war in Ukraine, hundreds of people deciding that they're going to collect things for the borders where people, where refugees were filing through and driving off in their lorries just to take um, equipment to them. Just extraordinary acts of, of kindness. And if we are all participating and deciding to be very intentional about being a kinder society, then the society that we live in, it will be different. 
the third sector will have more support and money to enable them to do the projects that they need. And perhaps we won't even need them as much. And you and I will help our next door neighbour who perhaps is lonely and mm. hasn't seen anybody. You know, I once went to go and see somebody as a nurse who hadn't had a single visit to her house for nine months. Mm. And she was immobile. And if we as a society start facing outward, as Kathy said, and trying to intentionally support people through acts of kindness and generally just living a kinder life, then our society is going to change. But is that really possible, Kathy, from grassroots perspective? Or do we actually need the political world, the media world, the business world, those those worlds that seem to to structure our society to actually start to intentionally be more kind and is that ever really going to happen i think it needs to start with grassroots it needs to start with us definitely uh it needs to start with as Debbie said, us all keeping our eyes and our ears open for the opportunities to be kind. Uh, in the book, we, we do each chapter, and at the end, we have some practical pointers about how you can intentionally be kind. One of them is to make sure you keep your eyes and ears open to opportunities to be kind. And then we have a prayer at the end. Um, but we do need government, business, commerce, education. We do need leadership from the top. Now, I would maintain that if we have people in leadership who are naturally inclined towards kindness, then we might see uh, something of a difference. But actually, many of our systems, you're right, are not designed to be kind. If you think about um, the media, we might want to say, actually, we need to include some of these good news stories. There's some evidence to suggest that a lot of people have stopped watching mainstream news. They're disengaging with news agendas because they, they can't bear to be told all this bad news all the time. It's just being thrown at them. Everyone disagreeing and arguing all the time and scoring points off each other. So yes, maybe we are living in a little cloud cuckoo land, but Debbie and I believe that it's possible. It does need to start with us, but yes, yeah, we do need, I think, some serious looking at some of mm. our major structures if we are to create a kinder world, a kinder culture. One thing struck me, Debbie, and we'll probably need to finish with this thought, but when we talk about the impact that kindness has, you use the example and the story from the Bible of Ruth and the level to which Ruth's kindness towards her mother-in-law, Naomi, the level in which that transcends a whole host of problems. I wonder if you could just, for a final thought, Unpack that idea a little bit, that actually an awful lot of the stuff we struggle with would be eased if only people would intend to be kind. 
No, um, I loved looking at the story of Ruth um, and I did find it really challenging by the end of it because I looked at Ruth and this individual who left her homeland and and married in and lived in an area that was different to her own. Um, and then she was going through grief. She lost her husband. She lost her brother-in-law. She lost her father-in-law, but made the intentional decision that she was going to support her mother-in-law, whatever it cost her. And that cost actually was to move from somewhere that she was familiar with, where her husband was probably buried, um, and travel that journey that wouldn't have just been, you know, sitting on a bus or a plane for a few days, would have really cost her to end up going to a completely different place again and to be the person that people would talk about because, um, you know, she was someone different and she ended up having to, to glean just the fields to pick up the food that she could support her and her mother-in-law. So, you know, there were physical and psychological costs for her um, and the journey that she made would have been extraordinary. And I think sometimes when we read these passages, we think, oh, yes, they went from this place to that place. But we we don't really think about the cost that journey would have cost that individual. So if we can be or think like Ruth and be aware of what those costs are, but know that we want to do the very best for the people um, that God has brought into our lives, then that kindness will have made a huge difference to other people. And again, hopefully the ripple effect will affect the, the communities that we're part of. What does the Lord require of you? But that you do justice. We understand that. That you walk humbly with God. We understand that. And that you love kindness, showing it, giving it, seeing it in others, seeing it manifest in the way that people behave to one another, seeing it in the way that government structures its integrity and its willingness to support the needy, seeing the way in which media and business and commerce and life can be formed into a thing that is more positive more wholesome, more upbuilding, less pulling down, less stamping on others to get our own way, less climbing the greasy pole, and more cooperating to build something meaningful that lasts. When you start to see the power of kindness in a man hanging on a cross to pay the price for all who, at that time, really did not give two thoughts for him. That act of kindness rippled into transforming effect in the lives of those who would follow him. Our acts of kindness may not be so cosmic in their impact, but the ripples can change things, transform things, and when we do it from the heart of God, to serve him can change things in whole communities for the better. Kindness is not a soft, fluffy thing. Kindness is a thing of power, a thing of dynamism, a thing of impact, a thing that transforms. And things like justice and peace 
and integrity. When kindness sits at the foundation of these things, these things grow strong. The Gift of Kindness is published by Authentic Media and written by my guests today for Life Issues, Debbie Duncan and Kathy Leferve. Debbie and Kathy, thank you both very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. You've been listening to UCB Life Issues. Join me next week for another one. You've been listening to UCB Life Issues. I'm Paul Hammond. Join me next week for another one. Ta-da.